What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of the Gunslinger Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Charles. You can head over to Instagram and follow me at the Gunslinger Podcast. Don't forget to like and follow and comment on any of the posts. Would love to hear what you guys have to think. Uh, we are also now streaming on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. So head over to both of those to follow and subscribe on there to get um, updates on when shows are posted we are going to be diving into the last division today the afc south and probably the least exciting of the divisions in the afc but um you know there'll be many many shows to follow so um before i dive into that i just wanted to touch real quick on preseason there's a couple games left today but basically through three four weeks of preseason i've realized don't really take anything out of it because we've barely seen starters play. Um, if we have seen them play, they've played very minimal snaps. They're not out there with other starters. And it's just really hard to get a grasp for what's really going on. And uh, me and a buddy were talking yesterday that, you know, it's people didn't want to draft Jamar Chase last year because all they heard about all preseason and all camp was, oh, the guy can't catch the ball. He's dropping it. He's having an issue. And then the guy comes out and just has one of the best fantasy seasons ever for a rookie receiver so just don't take anything really from it I mean like the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh I think is the one main thing to really monitor because there's three guys there that are really trying to compete for that job and all three have looked good but other than that there's no major storylines for me um, it was nice to see Brady come back yesterday and play a little bit through a nice pass to Julio. So that could be um, very interesting if he can get that kind of connection and chemistry with Julio Jones to go along with Godwin and Mikey Evans for this upcoming season. So um, I'll dive into it, though. Like I said, AFC South today, I think it's a two-team race. Texans and Jags are at the bottom of the division, but then I think between the it's between the Titans and the Colts in my opinion on who's going to come out of the, the the division I don't think it's going to be two teams coming out I think it'll be just one um, but I will jump into it here the Texans are coming in with a Vegas insider wind uh, wind projection of four and a half it, that sounds low I mean f- four and 13 five and 12 that seems low but I really don't think the Texans are that good at all and I'll, I mean just looking at pro football focus their position rankings are terrible they're 32nd in running back 30th in receiver 22nd in offensive line 30th in defensive line 31st in linebacker and 32nd in the secondary so they rank at the bottom of the league in five of the six major categories and then their offensive line is their one bright spot which is ranked 22nd going into the season and I mean they still have Laramie Tunsil they drafted a rookie Kenyon Green in the first round this year they have Justin Britt AJ Can, and uh, Titus Howard but I mean looking at the rest of their weapons I mean you're looking at tight end Farrell Brown don't know who that is Davis Mills was decent last year but then I mean backing him up you have Kyle Allen and Jeff Driscoll then their running back situation is Damian Pierce I'll touch on him in a little bit he's a rookie out of the University of Florida who looks like he's a starter right now Marlon Mack Rex Burkhead Dare 
Ogunbowale and Rolls-Royce Freeman. So nothing there. And then at receiver, you've got Nico Collins, who they drafted in the third round last year. He was okay. Brandon Cooks is definitely their best option. Chris Moore, nobody. Chris Conley, nobody. Philip Dorsett, nothing. They, I mean, they just have nothing. And then defensively, you look at – there's no names that I really recognize minus Derek Stingley, who they just drafted in the first round this year with the fourth overall pick, I think it was. I mean, he was great a couple years ago at LSU, but he kind of fell off a little bit. So I'm not sure how well he is going to be. But, you know, I mean, we saw Chase, who was great with Burrow, and then he got, he missed the whole year, and then he came back, and he was great as a rookie last year. So Stingley could, could be the one bright spot. But, again, I mean, there's nothing else really that sticks out on defensive side or offensive side of the football for me for them to even really – be considered as a threat in what I think is the worst division in the AFC. But um, just looking at it from a fantasy standpoint, like I mentioned, Damian Pierce, the rookie from Florida, I think he's got to be the guy to target. He's going off the board, even with all the buzz on him, he's going off the board as a uh, 43rd running back average right now. So that's very low. I think he, if he's given the opportunity he could shine, but I mean, you also have to look at it as if he's not in there for passing downs and the Texans are behind a lot of their games, he might not get a ton of opportunity. But again, also, I know I said, don't take anything out of preseason, but the, the Texans three preseason games this year, they ran the ball 53.7% of the time, which would have ranked number one in the NFL last year over Philadelphia, who was like 52.7% something the amount of times they ran the ball so maybe the Texans are just they're just going to utilize their offensive line which is their one strength per se and just give the ball to Pierce Mack Burkhead and whoever and just let them run and if that's the case I think you have to really consider Pierce because he's a rookie he has that burst that some of these older backs don't have and something that really was surprising to me was um, out of the last seven years, six of those years, a running back has finished as a top eight in PPR scoring at the end of the season. So you look at last year, their uh, third uh, overall the year before was seventh. 2019 was 15th, which would be the one year they didn't. 2018, first overall. 17 was eighth overall. 16 was second overall. And then in 2015, there was actually two guys who ranked in the top eight at seven and eighth. So Rookie running backs definitely shine for um, fantasy football just because I think they they don't have all those miles on their legs yet and they can still absorb a lot of hits, take a lot of carries. So if you're looking at one rookie running back, I think Damian Pierce might be that guy. I don't know if he can go top eight just because I don't know if he's going to get the passing down workload, but he could be a guy to really – I think that could really outperform that – average draft position if he's able to stay healthy and the Texans are able to at least be competitive in some of their games but again I'm not really sold on that happening this year so like I said four and a half wins I don't have them off to a pretty start I have them actually losing uh, 10 straight to start the year so they've got the Colts at home then they're at Denver at Chicago home versus the Chargers at Jacksonville. Those are their first five. I have them losing all those. Then they have their bye week six. They come out of the bye. They have to go to Vegas, 
They come home for Tennessee and Philadelphia. They're at the Giants. And then they're home versus Washington. I have them losing all five of those. And then at Miami week 12, I have them actually picking up their first one of the season, which I think will be come as a some shock to a lot of people. I think it's kind of the Dolphins are kind of in like a trap game here. And I think Houston will pull out just enough. And I think they'll be able to pull that one out. So uh, one and 10 at this point, then they're home against Cleveland at Dallas, home against Kansas City at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's, I mean, you know, they're going to be fighting for the playoffs at this point. And then, so all four of those are losses. And then they're home on New Year's Day to play Jacksonville. I think they'll be able to beat the Jags at home. And then they're at Indianapolis to end the year. Um, and the Colts are probably going to be fighting for a playoff spot as well. So I, a loss there. So I have the Texans going 2-15. and 15. Um, Some games on the schedule they could probably win. You know, maybe at Chicago week three could be a win. Maybe at Jacksonville early. Um, you know, a home game, they might be able to sneak out like the, they have a weird one against Philadelphia on Thursday night. It's just very strange. I think the Eagles will be able to win that, but you know, just a lot of, a lot of tough road games as well. So I'm not very high on the Texans two and 15. I would take the under, I think three, I think four wins is their max. So four and a half. Um, I think you're fine taking the under there. So I got the Texans coming in last place. So 2-15 and 15, heading over to the Jags. And we I kind of touched on this a little bit with Craig on the last show about how they have Trevor Lawrence out there just throwing the ball a ton in the preseason. And they're kind of just, I'm not sure if they're trying to, you know, get a feel for the, the new offense or whatever they're trying to do. But, I mean, it's a new era in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer's gone. And... Trevor Lawrence actually played pretty well after Urban Meyer left last year. Um, I'll get into that as well in a second, but they have a projected win total in Vegas of six and a half, which I think is pretty pretty good. Um, I think that's right around where they'll be. Again, they're they don't have a ton of strengths. They did go out in the offseason. They spent a ton of money. You know, ETN's coming back from injury. They got Zay Jones from the Raiders, Christian Kirk from Arizona. Um, Brandon Scherf, the right guard from Washington, Evan Engram, the tight end from the Giants, James Robinson will be back healthy. And I mean, defensively, they still have Josh Allen, Devin Lloyd and uh, Trayvon Walker first, both those guys first round picks. Walker was the number one overall and he looked pretty good, I thought, in preseason. So um, be interesting to see what both of those guys can do. And then in the secondary, just, you know, kind of just a bunch of names, you know, people you've heard of the couple um second and third round picks from last year so i think the jags will be okay but just looking again at their pro football focus positional rankings offensively their running back group is 25th receivers 28th offensive line 26th defensive line 28th linebacking group 22nd and secondary is 19th so um not great i mean they're i mean better than houston obviously but i think the jags are still going to struggle in to compete with the Colts and the Titans for the top of this division. But um, just, again, we'll, I'll jump into for the fantasy standpoint of it, that when uh, Doug Peterson was in Philadelphia, he was there for five years, and four of those five years, they finished the top ten in pass attempts. And you got to look at Trevor Lawrence. The Jags are probably going to be behind in a lot of their games. And if you remember, I don't even know how long ago it was now, but when Blake Bortles was with 
the Jags. He was like a top three fantasy quarterback one year. And it was Justin Blackman and Cecil Shorts or someone else. I can't remember who the other guy was. And they had like two top 10 fantasy receivers because all they were doing was throwing because they were down in every game and just getting a ton of garbage time points. So I could see that happening again with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's got weapons to get the ball downfield to Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram could be, you know, if he can learn how to catch the ball, it could be kind of a mismatch at the tight end position. So definitely could see some upside there. Um, and, you know, like I touched on after urban Meyer left, um, Trevor Lawrence's completion percentage went from 58.6 to 65. His yards per game went from 210 to 227, and his quarterback rating went from 70 to 82.5. So a drastic jump in three major statistical categories for a quarterback. Um, and I think it'll only get better with Doug Peterson being, you know, having a background as being a quarterback and offensive guy. So he should be able to help Trevor Lawrence's growth, um, from that standpoint. So, um, he's going at the 19th quarterback off the board right now. I, it sounds good, but I think there's definitely a lot of upside for Lawrence because he can run the ball is, you know, he's pretty fast. And with all those pass attempts, I think he could definitely finish as a low end QB one, or, I mean, definitely a good bye week fill in, um, at the end of the season. But I, I would not be shocked if Trevor Lawrence was able to crack into the top 10 this year, just with the pass attempts and the rushing ability. So, um, like I said, six and a half wins looking at their, their schedule here, the Jags, are um, at Washington week one. I have them losing that game. I think Carson Wentz will get a little bit of revenge on Peterson there. So 0-1 to start. And then they come home week two to play the Colts. And you always look at that game and say, oh, the Colts going to Jacksonville are going to win. Well, they don't. They The Colts have lost six or seven years in a row or something in Jacksonville. I mean, especially this one is in September. It's going to be hot. I have the Jags winning that one to keep that streak alive. So one and one to start the year. And then kind of a tough stretch here. They're at the Chargers and at the Philadelphia. Um, back-to-back weeks, I have them picking up two losses there. And then they get to come home for Houston, which I have them winning. And then at the Colts again. So they play the Colts twice in the first six weeks of the season. I have them losing at Indianapolis this time. And then they come home for three straight against the Giants. Actually, the Denver game is overseas, but so it's technically a home game for the Jags. So Giants, Denver, and Vegas. I have them losing to the Giants at home, losing to Vegas at home, but winning that game overseas against Denver um, in between there. And then they're at Kansas City before the bye, so um, I have them losing that as well. So not great, 3-7 and seven going into the bye I think it's it's pretty much where the Jags usually are, you know, at the bottom of the league, you know, they might be in some of these games, but I think they're really just going to struggle, you know, from a defensive standpoint to really hang with some of these teams they have to play. I mean, you look at the offenses, the Colts twice, the Eagles should be much better, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chiefs. I mean, they're going to have a lot of tough offenses, and I don't know if they're going to be able to compete from an offensive standpoint themselves. So, Three and seven going into the bye. They come out week 12. They're at home against the Ravens. I actually have them winning that one um, two weeks to prepare. I think they can shock the Ravens there. The Ravens probably be 
kind of coasting at that point, but it could be definitely a trap game. So a win there, and then they're at Detroit and at Tennessee back-to-back. I have them losing both of those. And then they're home, home against Dallas, where I have them losing. And then they have to travel on a short week for a Thursday night game at the Jets, which I do have them winning that one. And then they're at Houston and home versus Tennessee to end the season, where I have them losing both of those games. So I have the Jags going 5-12. and 12. Um, You know, some games there they could definitely squeak out, maybe at Detroit, um, at Houston, home against the Giants. I mean, there's, you know, two or three games there that I think they could, defi- could definitely go either way. I'm... I think it just kind of just depends on how well their defense plays this year. I think their offense will be average. Um, So, you know, a lot of these games where they're playing just average offenses, I think they'll be fine. But it's against those, you know, high-powered offenses that I think they're really going to struggle. So uh, 5-12, and they have the Jags, um, you know, better than Houston, but still not on the level they need to be to compete with the Titans and the Colts. So um, I'll jump into Tennessee now. They are... Projected win total of nine and a half, which I think is a little bit low. Um, it might be right around where they would be, you know, 500 or a little bit over. But um, they're getting Derrick Henry back. They were the number one seed last year, and Henry missed a big portion of the season. Um, some, you know, new weapons offensively. They got Robert Woods. They traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles, so they got Traylon Burks in the first round. Kyle Phillips they drafted out of UCLA. Um offensively you know I think they're just kind of the same I mean, they're gonna they're gonna want to run the ball a lot they're gonna give it to Henry they're gonna let Tannehill just kind of dink and dunk and you know move the ball downfield and if it things don't work out for Tannehill I mean Malik Willis has looked absolutely amazing in preseason again I know it's preseason don't take anything like that because I mean he's playing against second and third stringers as well but I mean the guy has he's unbelievably fast I did not expect that and he has really made some great throws that you know with people blitzing him in his face sidearm you know whatever he's looked very good so if things don't work out with Tannehill the Titans I think are going to be in very good hands um, in the future with Malik Willis so um, looking at them from pro football focus standpoint their running backs are their running back group is ranked sixth um, definitely because of Derrick Henry they don't have much behind him um, the receivers are ranked 26th, offensive line 27th, and then their defensive line is 10th, linebackers are 16th, and corners are secondaries ranked 11th. Um, a lot of the same guys defensively that they had last year, um, you know, a couple new faces, but for the main part, it's the same. I mean, they were great defensively last year. Mike Vrabel gets the best out of this his players. This is definitely a team I think that could, you know, win a lot 11 or 12 games again easily I mean if they can get Henry healthy for a full season I think they could make a lot of noise in the AFC so looking at from fantasy standpoint I was very surprised when I did this research I Robert Woods to me is a guy that people are kind of I don't know if they're writing him off or they're just not as high on him but he got hurt last year, and I think he got really the he was playing in the shadow of Cooper Cup prior to his injury, and it was really hard because Cooper Cup was just going off and having one of the best fantasy seasons ever for a receiver. And we'd seen Robert Woods in the past be very good, especially when he was 
um, in Los Angeles. So it was hard to see him kind of take a little bit of a step back, but Cup really stepped up with Stafford and then Woods got hurt and now he's on the Titans and, you know, the Titans have Traylon Burks and they have Derrick Henry. So it's like, how much is Woods really going to be involved? But I thought this was very interesting that, so you take out last year, which I'll get into a, into a second, but in 2020, he was the 12th ranked receiver in PPR. 2019, he was the 14th. 2018, he was the 11th. So three top 15 finishes in a row. And then last year, he was on pace to finish as the wide receiver 21, which absolutely blew my mind because he, like was like I said, was really playing much of a lesser role than cup was and much less than we'd seen from him. And I thought he was having a much worse season, but I mean, projected to end the season as a, t- as a wide receiver too, when he played with, you know, the best receiver in fantasy opposite of him is definitely says a lot. I think about woods and he really put together some really good games. Um, he found the end zone a lot, especially on the ground. So I think if Robert Woods is healthy, I think he could be a great, pick up late in your drafts he's going as the 41st receiver right now off the board so i mean people aren't even considering him wide receiver three i mean barely even a flex so if you're in a wider three wide receiver league i would definitely consider him as that third guy um if not there then a flex for sure i think he could be their leading pass catcher just because no one's really sure what Traylon burks is bringing to the table because he's always seems to be hurt but um, another guy that I would keep an eye on is Kyle Phillips, their fifth round pick, who looks like he's going to be the punt returner. The guy looks like Julian Edelman. I mean, he reminds me of him. He plays like him. So I would keep my eye out for him, especially when Tannehill loves those short underneath throws. Um, Kyle Phillips is a guy that could come in the slot, I think, and really um, be successful on that offense. So two guys there, um, definitely keep your eye on both of them. And like I said, nine and a half wins is their um, projected total right now in Vegas. So looking at their schedule, they open up at home against the Giants. I think they'll be able to, they'll win that one. And then they have to travel to Buffalo on Monday night, week two. That's going to be a very tough game. I got the Bills pulling that one out. And then uh, the Titans come home to play the Raiders in week three. I have a win there. And then they're at Indianapolis and at Washington back-to-back before their week six bye i have them losing at the colts and then winning at washington so three and two going into their week six bye it's an early bye um they come out of the bye with the colts again at home um twice in four weeks twice in three games for them i think they'll be able to win this one at home and then they're at houston have them winning that as well and then a very I mean, this stretch here at Kansas City, home against Denver, at Green Bay, home against Cincinnati, and at Philadelphia. That's just a brutal stretch, I think. And I have them losing four of those five. I have them losing at Kansas City, losing at home versus Denver, losing at Green Bay, beating the Bengals at home, and then losing at Philadelphia. So, like I said, a very tough stretch. But then their next five... They get the Jags at home. They're at the Chargers. They get Houston and Dallas at home and then at Jacksonville. So I have them beating the Jags, losing at Los Angeles, and then coming home to beat Houston. And that's on Christmas Eve. So I have them winning that. And then on a short week, they get Dallas at home on a Thursday night. So I have them winning that as well. And then at Jacksonville to end the year, I have them 
winning that. So winning four of their last five after losing four of their previous five, putting them at 10 and seven on the season. So just over that projected win total, I think 10 and seven um, with a very, like I said, a very tough schedule. So I think they're, um, they, they could be in the driver's seat to win the division, but I'll head over to the Colts now. And the Colts to me are probably the most interesting team in the division just because they played with a lead last year almost more than any team in the NFL. And it was a big reason why Jonathan Taylor had such a great season and Carson Wentz from a statistical standpoint looked decent. I mean, he only had seven interceptions, but I mean, the fumbles were still there and he just, I mean, at big moments, he really just didn't show up and they needed to win one of their last two games, I think, to get in the playoffs. And they lost one to the Raiders and then they lost that week 18 game at Jacksonville, which, you know, they went in there in and they did not, they actually got pretty handled in that game. I thought, and you know, you, you can't always blame it on the quarterback, but Carson Wentz just hasn't seen, he never seemed to really get over that, that hump from that, that one year in Philadelphia where he really played well before he got hurt. So the Colts go out and they, they bring in Matt Ryan to, you know, maybe kind of re, to replace Wentz and see, well, the Rams, they went out and got Stafford. The the Bucks went out and got Brady and they both ended up winning Super Bowl. So is this what the Colts needed with Matt Ryan? And I'm, I don't love the move. I think Matt Ryan is a he'll be a better decision maker than Wentz, but I don't think he'll push the ball downfield or take those down the field shots that Wentz was taking that were paying off some of the times. It was a lot of the short stuff that I think Wentz had problems with the fumbles, the trying to create plays that weren't there. But throwing the ball down the field, I thought he was pretty decent. Um, has always been decent at in the NFL. So. I'm not sure if Matt Ryan's the answer. The the Colts, I, guess, I don't know if I said there's nine, so a nine and a half projected win total for them as well, same as Tennessee. Um, they're much better overall, I think, from a roster standpoint. You look at, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is absolutely terrific. They have Naeem Hines backing him up, Philip Lindsay. So three very established running backs right there. Their receiving core is, this is the part that scares them about the Colts. They don't really have anybody besides Michael Pittman Jr., that's going to make a play, I feel like. I mean, they drafted Alec Pierce from Cincinnati in the second round, which I thought was very high for this kid. He's like a 6'2", 6'3". He doesn't have great speed. He doesn't run great routes. I'm not really sure what the Colts were saw in him. I'm not sure what where he was projected to go in the draft, but he, I mean, he played at Cincinnati, so he already is not playing against great talent. And I'm not sure if maybe he just had better stats last year because Ritter... Um, was the quarterback for the Bearcats or not. But so they have him. And then you look at their other starting receiver projected as Paris Campbell, who they took in the second round back in 2019. So their three starting projected starting receivers are all second round picks in 2019, 2020 and uh, 22. So, I mean, not sure their offensive line is so great. Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, um, ton of talent there. And then, the tight end position, you know, Mo Cox is projected to be the starter and then behind him, they don't really have anything. So not great there. I don't, I, like I said, I'm just not sure where the weapons are, where the offense is going to come from the Colts. If they're not playing with a lead and can give the ball to Jonathan Taylor, 25 to 30 times a game, I'm not sure 
where their offense is going to come from. So um, defensively, they added Gilmore. from uh, He played for Carolina last year. Kenny Moore is still there. Shaq Leonard. Um, Yannick Ngakwe. DeForest Buckner. You know, they had a ton of like good players. It's just I'm not sure if this team is going to be able to get over that hump. So from a fantasy standpoint, like I said, I don't, I don't really love anybody. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's projected to be the first round pick. Michael Pittman, I think he's going right where he's supposed to in most drafts, you know, as a top 12, 15 fantasy receiver. I think that's fine. Alec Pierce, I'm probably not as high on him as maybe other people are, so I wouldn't really touch him. The one guy I'm looking at is Mo Alley Cox, just because they don't have a ton of weapons at receiver. And I looked back at Matt Ryan's 14 years with the Falcons. He had, out of those 14 years, 10 times he had a tight end finish in the top 14 for fantasy, for PPR. And eight of those 10 times, those finishes were top six. So if anyone's going to really make a big jump, I think it's Mo Ali Cox. I mean, you can probably get him as undrafted in most leagues, I would think. I don't. He's a great athlete. He's very fast. Um, I'm just not sure how good he can be, you know, but I think he has the ability just because Matt Ryan loves the targeting the tight end. And like I said, I'm not sure if Matt Ryan can really th- push the ball downfield anymore. I mean, we really didn't see it much with the Falcons at the end. Just might've been because they didn't have weapons or whatever, but um, I would think it Mo Alley Cox is the guy um, you'd want to target in your drafts as a late, late round sleeper. So getting into their, their schedule, um, like I said, nine and a half wins. So they're at Houston week one. I have them winning that game. And then at Jacksonville, like I mentioned, I have them losing. They are then home versus Kansas City in Tennessee in back-to-back weeks. I have them losing to the Chiefs and beating the Titans. And then they have to travel to Denver for Thursday night football, a short week there. I have them losing that one. And then they get the Jags the following week at home where I have them winning. They're at Tennessee the following week. So another, they get Tennessee twice in four weeks. So a loss at Tennessee this time. They are then home versus Washington where I have them winning. And then at New England, at Las Vegas, back-to-back weeks in early November, both losses. And this whole these five games, I guess, are kind of a big stretch for them. So at New England, at Vegas, then they're home versus Philadelphia, home versus Pittsburgh, and at Dallas. So I have them losing to New England, losing to Vegas, but then beating the Eagles and beating the Steelers at home, and then traveling to Dallas on Sunday Night Football Week 13. I have them picking up a win there. Um I think that game could definitely go either way, but I think they can pull that one out. And then they're at their bye, week 14, very late. Um, and then, you know, they come out of their bye at Minnesota, which um, that's going to be very tough. They have them losing that. But then they rattle off three straight wins to end the year. Um, you know, at so they get the Chargers on Monday night, week 15, and then they're at the Giants and home versus Houston. So, Three wins there. Um, I have them finishing at ten and seven as well, but I have the Titans winning the division because I have the Titans going five and one in in the division, where I have the Colts going four and two. That loss to the Jags, which they always seem to lose every year, um, I think is really really going to cost them. I have them playing great football then the year, you know, winning six of their last seven. But I just think 
they they have a very tough schedule as well. Them in Tennessee, they have very tough stretches. So um, ten and seven over their win total. But like I said, I'm not sure that that might even be too high. Like I said, because if if they're not playing from the lead, I could see them really struggling. Like against the Chiefs, I don't know how they're going to keep up offensively there at Denver. That could be very tough at the Raiders. <clears throat> the Eagles might be able to score a lot of points this year. At Dallas, that might even be a loss. I gave them a win there. Um, home versus the Chargers, and another team that's going to be able to put up a ton of points. So I think the Colts are very interesting. And like I said, not not as high on them as I think a lot of other people are. So taking the Titans to win the division um, <clears throat> and just breaking it down from the AFC standpoint. So I have the Bills, Patriots, Titans, Steelers, and then Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs all making the playoffs as the seven teams. So I think, you know, I have, like I said, I was very high in the Patriots, 13 and four. But I mean, even if they don't play that well, I think they could definitely outplay a team like the Colts or the Titans with whatever flip flops there to get in the playoffs as a, um, the seven seed or six seed. So, um, that's all I got for that division today. We're going to be diving more into a lot of the fantasy stuff going forward on the show. You know, talking DraftKings, weekly picks, weekly games, etc. So um, we'll get more into that um, in the in the following episodes. I appreciate you guys listening. As always, the music credit goes out to ACDC. So stay tuned for more. Thanks, guys.